welcome to this another episode of the Catholic Limerick Show brought to you by Wigwam and indeed supported by the Limerick Post, keeping Limerick posted, hashtag Limerick and Proud. You're very welcome. Delighted in particular to welcome our very special guest all the way from the kingdom this morning, and it is Nicola Lawless. Nicola, please say hello and cheers us with your coffee mug. Hi, everybody. Hello, uh, there you go. Let me just introduce Nicola very briefly before we bring herself in. And we'll have a wonderful chat. So obviously it's Nicola Lawless. Her business name, she says she's the CEO of Kerry Flyer CLG and Managing Director of Daydon and Travel Training, Engineering and Lettings Limited, D-D-T-T-E-L Limited. Her day job is a CEO of a social enterprise. She has also started a new business with her husband, who's in the room. Welcome, Gareth, which provides engineer, engineering training, corporate travel and lettings, Airbnb and residential. And it includes a converted bus. How long established? 20 years working in the social enterprise and private enterprise sector and how many employees? Uh, five in her own company and 21 in the day job. She goes on to say that uh, she's a mother of four, disability advocate, entrepreneur and down-to-earth straight-talking woman. Her nickname, wait to hear this, her nickname is Noogle, as in Nicola Google. Uh, she is somebody who always finds solutions and answers for friends and family. She gets stuff done. Uh, a woman of opposites, she's measured, calm, and yet laser-focused. And she's also spontaneous, intuitive, and trusting, and as a result, accept, accepts life on life's terms. Well done, you. Uh, she's described as someone with business acumen that is very targeted. She designs, plans, and executes in her business life, but family and friends are her most important focus. And Nicola feels that her sense of humor has gotten her this far and looks forward to lots of adventures in her future. And then we asked something nobody knows about you. Right, you hear this, right? I read the Daily Mail online frequently, my dear this, so I can infuriate myself with their right-wing views and their degrading articles they publish about women and their bodies. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. <laughs> right, there's the first on the Coffee Level show. Uh, I love it. Ripples of laughter and spontaneous uh, boule bus going on there. Nicola Lawless, this is going to be fascinating. Thank you for taking the I time out. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, no, no. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And we hope you enjoy it too, by the way. We're going to have fun. We hope you enjoy it too. So here's the story, right? Um, we say to all of our guests in the Coffee Eleven show, we can and we will Google you, or now Noogle you, as the new phrase is, right? We will Noogle you. And um, we will be able to find out all about your business today. But that's not what the Coffee Eleven show is all about. We want to find out about little, little Nicola. Will you take us all the way back? Because I know you're not from the kingdom originally. I'm not, no, thank you, Colm. And actually, just before we start, I actually think that um, um, Eamon's grounding session there to begin with is really like, it's, it's some of the things that I wanted to talk about today. So, and some of you will have heard my story before and some of you won't. So hopefully you can bear with me. Uh, little Nicola was born in Dublin to two dogs um, and they were both business people. So I'm the eldest of four. Um, I have two sisters and a brother. And we had a lovely little shop in not a great area in Dublin, but it was a little gold mine. And when I was about five or six, my parents decided, you know what, this is going great. Let's move to the suburbs. Because my parents were from Finglas and Finglas was the country when they were growing up. It wasn't Dublin. So they were. my father especially was mad to get back to the country. So um, we moved to Cavan. And they opened up a business down there. And that didn't go very well during the first recession in the early 80s. So as a result, we moved around a bit until we settled again. And actually, I went to about six different primary schools, which looking back now was kind of, it was jarring and it did have a, an effect on me. But obviously, we were just trying to find our place. So we ended up settling in Mead, in, in near Kells in County Mead, a beautiful little village there called Minalty, which has the steam trashing festival every year and a uh, beautiful place to grow up. But we didn't settle there till I was about 11. So as a result, I kind of grew up, um, even though both my parents had came from large families and we had a large extended family, I had we had moved to the country and I always kind of felt like I didn't really belong anywhere. And I know that was just incidental to the moving around, but I never really felt like I belonged anywhere because I would start a new school every couple of years and I would have to make routes and then we might move on. And we never, we didn't move all over the country. We stayed within sort of, you know, the general area of Cavan and Mead, but it just, it just um, 
left me with a sense of never really belonging because I had very, very much belonged in Dublin with all my extended family around me. So I think that kind of shaped me a little bit. And I was very, very artistic growing up. I was nearly always seen with pen and paper and pencils and watercolours in hand. So when I finished school, which I hated, absolutely hated school. Now, I had an aptitude for it and every single parent-teacher meeting would result in my mother coming home. Jesus Christ, will you just do something, you know, because I would just about, and they'd all be saying, oh God, she could be doing so much better. Like she has... Um, she she could do this, she could do that. But I, I didn't like school. I just wanted to draw. So when I left uh, secondary school, I got a good leaving, don't know how, really don't know how. I have this, well, I used to have this ridiculous um, ability to retain useless information. Uh, so I think that kind of saw me through. But um, when I left school, I went to art college. And I thought, yeah, this is where I should be. I'm going to move to Paris. I'm going to be an artist, you know, just going to be, and I'm never having kids. I'm just going to be me. And I was reading all these, you know, like, like all these books about the set in Paris, you know, all these great writers, American writers, French writers, all of this. And I was like, yeah, that's a bit of me, you know. Um, so I think I was in college maybe two months and um I actually got pregnant. So I met this uh, this older Italian gentleman. Well, he wasn't a gentleman, I'll be honest. But anyway, I met him. And next thing I find myself um, pregnant. So there's this one who, like, I was one of those kids at school who would be wearing the long black coats and the dark books, boots up past the knee and stuff like that. And Gareth will actually attest to that because he noticed me, might just say long before I noticed him. But anyway, he um, was, you know, I was kind of like the cool kid, sort of, and it's slightly, not hugely, just slightly. So getting pregnant... And at that time, I felt like I had no choice but to leave college. And coming back home to Kells within three months was like a spectacular crash and burn, you know? All right, all right, all right. Catch your breath, right? Catch your breath. Uh, This this is a regular feature of the Coffee 11 show where somebody comes in and they just go off on a rant, which is wonderful, by the way. And I was was trying to keep up. I was writing notes here, right? Um, But I just don't want to miss all the richness that that you've just shared. So first of all, thank you for sharing. I can see straight away this is going to be an incredibly honest and open interview. There are no holes barred, which is wonderful. Uh, delighted. Um, but there's a handful of things in here, and, uh, and we, we, go, we go back to Kells in just a second, right? So uh, by your own admission, grew up in Fingers, which went Fingers to the country, right? And then moved further into the country in Cavan and Meath and all the rest of it. Uh, didn't really belong. I, that, that, that featured very heavily in your, in your story there, uh, that you had this feeling of being uh, perhaps a bit of a loner. Um, the artistic thing was clearly very strong for you. You hated, hated, hated school. You repeated that three times, right? I hated, hated, in case you didn't know, I hated school. And uh, your poor mother coming home bereft at the, at the end of every uh, um, parent-teacher meeting. Like, why? If she'd only apply herself, she'd be great at this one, right? Um, a propensity to retain useless information. I have to say, I noticed Gareth nodding in the background there. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't miss that, and I couldn't miss the opportunity to hang you there, Gareth. So I do apologise, but hey, we're friends now. And then the, and this is where it gets. I shouldn't be smiling at this, right? Um, but you know, you went off to college, to art college. You had Paris in your sights. Everyone's going swimmingly well. You were the cool kid. And then things took a turn. And all of a sudden, now we're back in Kells. We haven't gone to Paris. We're back in Kells. So back to you. So we're back in Kells with the Italian in tow. And Ooh. it's like, uh, it's kind Didn't of like, uh, so, yeah, yeah, he, 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 he came back. But then, uh, so we settled into a nice little flat and all the rest. We're waiting for the baby to come. And then um, I think I was about seven and a half or eight months pregnant. And he said to me, do you know, I think I'm, I, I'd love, I, do an Italian accent only I'd butcher it but um, he said I think I'm going to go home for a little break before the baby comes and sure you can't fly now because you're past the stage where you can fly you know so you can see where this is going so anyway off he went and that was it and actually 
what I wanted to touch on was something that Eamon brought up in his grounding thing, because one of the things I've written down here is listening to your inner voice. And whenever I'm from the school of hard knocks and that's through no fault of my parents, it's my own. I always do things the hard way. And the only time that things have ever gone really well for me are when I've actually listened to that inner voice and trusted my gut and listened to what it's been saying to me. And um, I, anyway, I knew he wouldn't come back and he didn't. He didn't come back till my son was about two months old, three months old. But by that stage, and, and my, my dad in particular was like, you know, maybe it could make a go of this. And again, listened to my gut and said, no, no, I'm not having this. And um, that was that. So, just to, okay, so, allow me, sorry, Nicola, if I may, just allow me on behalf of the audience to honour you for being so strong in yourself. Uh, that, that, that's a big decision to take uh, at, a, at such a young age. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, but I think we're probably seeing uh, the fruits of that now. You're clearly a very strong woman and you're, you're very clear in your own mind as to who you are, who yes. and what the law is all about. So, uh, so congratulations. And, uh, well, I, I am clear, Colin, but I, I wasn't really clear until about five years ago and we can touch on that in a while but i'm 44 now and i really feel that i only started properly living when i was about 39 but we can we can go into that later yeah we, 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 we'll get there and another thing i find that really fascinating it's only picks a specific age like 39 it wasn't like in my 40s it was 39 so there's something they're going to pick at in a minute all right so we're, we're back in kells uh, italian man has been given the door and uh, yes. what's going to happen next in the journey? Well, I mean, obviously, I didn't stay on the shelf for long, you know, so um, nobody <laughs> joking. Gareth came along then when my eldest was, well, uh, when our eldest was about eight months old. So things started going a bit better then. Um, and we went on to, to, to build a life together. And we have three further beautiful children together. So we have four gorgeous children. Which is um, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely, I'm delighted to hear that, right? But but so we we can't we can't skip past that. That was too quick, right? So okay. you've been saying this guy for long. Love that, right? Uh, Gareth noticed you well before you noticed him. Apparently, according to yourself, we we, we might bring Gareth in to tell the truth about that story in a few minutes. Um, but uh, but um, okay. But how did you meet? Um, actually, the first time I ever met Gareth, when we were we were he, we were both about twelve, and uh, he was serving mass, and he was actually too cool for school, so he was splayed out on the steps of the altar like this, like, and he still drives his car like that, kind of like this, you know, and uh, so that's how we first sort of met each other, and then he actually went out with a friend of mine when we were in. Um, secondary school that was only because I was already taken at the time column you know so um otherwise like but uh, no what are you joking but uh we met through mutual friends essentially and Gareth had a job just up the street from where I lived so I would see him passing by and he would see me passing by and um that's how we met we kind of we kind of mooched around the peripheries of the same circles lovely lovely and that's certainly one version Gareth Lawless into the dock. Wasn't expecting to be included in this. <laughs> You're on the Capital 11 show. Anything can happen. Okay. All right. So how does that story relate? Is there any semblance, semblance of truth in what we've just heard? It is actually the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice Nicholas sooner than she noticed me, but that was fine. I, I think I had to get the hair a bit longer and look a bit grungier for her to be interested. You know what I mean? So we did that and that worked and... Uh, and then it just happened. We just we just kind of came together, and that was it. Jesus, we never looked back since. Bit of a roller coaster now, but definitely, uh, definitely, very, very, very. What well, I was nineteen, sure. Do you know what I mean? So like, who'd have thought we'd be ah, together at forty-three and forty-four? But yeah, her story is true. Like, you know what I mean? Wonderful stuff, Gareth. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, we, we, the reason, by the way, I invited Jim was we had a Coffee Eleven show some time back. And there was this couple in, and they had two very different stories as to how they met. And so I'm always curious. So that's good. It matches so far. Gareth, thanks for that. Okay. Now, back to you, Nicola. Right, so <laughs> you're, 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 you're now with the man of your dreams, right? You've got yes. four wonderful children. What, what, what drug you to, to, to the kingdom? Um, 
so our second our, our second child, um, Ben, who is actually the most beautiful human being you will ever meet, has profound special needs. And we had been in business together and then we'd gone on to that business failed and Gareth was working and I was kind of a, a bit of a stay at home mom for a while. And then I fell into this job, just literally fell into this job. And the person who gave me the job really helped to steer me. I, I was supposed to drive a vehicle two hours a morning to bring a person with autism to a centre. And that's how I started the job, 10 hours a week. And within about a year and a half or two years, I was the training coordinator and development officer. So because she saw something in me, some potential, and I really had to kind of have to give her the kudos for that. She saw potential in me that I couldn't see in myself, you know. So um, in that role, I was doing a lot of training and I was on the road a lot and things were very hectic. Gareth was working um, in Smurfit News Press. He was printing newspapers and um, he was working a lot of nights and a lot of weekends and I was working at least 30 hours a week and traveling all over the country training and we had these three gorgeous kids one of them with profound special needs and just things we're living in a nice house we have nice cars but things just didn't feel right things just didn't feel right and again because I have to do everything the hard way I was just getting there I had trained up and I was doing different bits and pieces and I was in a good job. And next thing we had our fourth child. So our, our last child, our, the baby of the house, Shay. And um, it just started to get a bit too much. Garrett was working five out of every eight weekends. And I was down in Kerry actually doing a lot of training with them, drivers and passenger assistants around accessible work. And somebody said to me, you know, there's a job coming up down here and we think you'd really be suitable for it. So I went home and talked to Gareth and we were like, something's got to give here, you know. So I went for the job and, and, I, and I got it. And um, I don't think I realised what a profound imp impact moving around as a child had had on me until I did this because our eldest was 12 at the time and he was just going into first year and he he felt the impact of moving 200 miles away. So I don't think I really understood that until then. Um, but we came to Kerry, we came to Kerry in 2008 and we made our lives here, you know. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, obviously in the introduction, I had mentioned that you're, uh, you're an advocate, advocate for uh, special needs. So I was wondering where that was uh, coming from. Uh, we've just heard about Ben. How old, how old is Ben? How old, how old is Shay? Uh, ben is now 24. My eldest will be 26 this summer. Then Ben is 24. We've one daughter, Fia. She's 20. And then our youngest is 14, going on about 44. But yeah, that's, that's okay. the age profile. We moved from Dublin, or Kildare as it happens, we were living in Selbridge, and we moved to Limerick in 1998, and our eldest was 12. So I can absolutely empathise with your situation there. And what's really interesting is I hadn't moved around, so it was a big deal for all of us, but it was a particularly big deal for our 12-year-old. Uh, she's She was 35 last Sunday, so holy moly. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about there because at that age, it, they're quite vulnerable. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a big deal, mm -hmm. a big deal when you're making friends at that stage. Uh, may I ask about Ben? Uh, so ben, we, we, ben, we kind of started to understand that there might be something wrong when Ben was about nine months old and that kicked off about three or four years of just continual testing and um, psychological evaluations and all kinds of tests and neurological tests and everything. And then eventually they kind of said to us, look, um, Ben has profound special needs and it's known as global developmental delay. And that's sort of like saying, you've got a virus. They weren't really sure what caused it, what it was. He had metabolic testing, he had lots of different things, but nothing was conclusive. So um, we just accepted Ben. I think that's where some of the acceptance comes from. We had to accept Ben for what he was. Originally, it was quite, or for who he was, sorry. Originally, it was quite hard to accept because there was so much worry about his future. And then we realized in a couple of years in that actually Ben was so happy in his own world. And therefore, if Ben is happy, what are we worrying about? So I won't say it wasn't challenging. And it was particularly challenging for our other children because Ben was kind of a constant focus. But um, 
he just brought so much into our lives. He's just the gentlest, funniest, giggliest, wonderfulest human being that you could ever meet. He's nonverbal, so he might, uh, he's very, like he's, He's his father's son because he ca- he picks up people's names because then he can get your attention. Like so, he's nonverbal, but he gets these. You know, he he knows how to call who he needs. You know, but uh, he's and very very charming, very charming, and loves the women. Absolutely loves women. You know, so um, his father's son, all right. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, so he's just a he's just a wonderful person, and it was very challenging for him growing up and for us raising him. But um, we're just extremely proud of the human being that he is now. You know, that's wonderful. It's wonderful, and and thank you for sharing that. And but also thank you for telling us how joyful it is, uh, and acknowledging that it clearly was was challenging back in the day when you first were made aware of this. Does he live with you at home? Well, so. Uh, we're, this is where my story comes in when I when I was when I was well, how, why I feel that my life started at thirty nine, um, so we had always the advocacy bit comes from constantly having to fight, you know, always having to fight for services and this divide and conquer that you'd meet in the services sometime, like I remember really struggling at one point and the liaison person said to me, um, well, you know, you're living in a nice house and you have a job and you have a husband. There's other people who have it worse than you. And I remember really feeling ashamed at the time, thinking, God, like they're right. But that wasn't the point. The point was that we were all struggling and it didn't matter what our circumstances were. And just having to fight and shout the loudest all the time just didn't seem right to me. It just didn't seem right. So I had to become an advocate. And we always fought for things like um, case conferences, uh, respite, and respite was just non-existent. We, it was just a constant struggle and fight. And we became to, we came to realize fairly early on as well that if we didn't fight for things, he wouldn't be in the system. And if he wasn't in the system, he wouldn't ordinary, you know, he wouldn't be entitled to anything. So even just getting him from school into his day placement was a fight. And it was just constant fighting, you know. And I don't think I realized the toll that was taken on me because I had a quite a stressful job as well. And we'd moved and we had four kids and all of these things going on around us. And then in February 2016. Um, so I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it was it was a bit of an epidemic at the time, not a pandemic, but swine flu H1N1 was going around and there was 32 of us working in the company at the time and I think about 20 of us got it you know and I remember coming home I had been at some kind of conference or something and I came home on a Monday evening I didn't get home till about seven and I remember cooking the dinner and Garrett came in the door behind me and by the time I had the dinner cooked I didn't even have the energy to eat it and I was just lying on the couch and I was like I don't feel right you know so a couple of, and my daughter got, got it as well. So obviously we were both down in the doctor and I'd gone for a couple of visits. This is a Monday and I wasn't getting any better. I was on steroids, I was on all these things. So by the Sunday, um, we had to actually make an emergency call to the doctor and the doctor came out and he listened to my chest and he said, hospital, I'm calling an ambulance. And I said to Garrett, I said, look, don't call an ambulance, we'll drive in. I didn't want to scare the kids. So in I went into the hospital in Tralee, uh, Kerry University Hospital, and I went in there on a Sunday night and on the Wednesday morning, they um, put me on a ventilator and they called my family and said, you've got to come down and say goodbye to her, you know, um, this Nicola is not going to survive. So I had become what they call hypoxic and my organs were shutting down and my heart wasn't working and my lungs were definitely not working. And they had to put me on a ventilator to keep me alive long enough that all the family could be gathered to come and say goodbye. My goodness. So, um, so spoiler alert, uh, I uh, didn't go anywhere. Well, no, we can see that and wonderfully well. And uh, you see, this is the wonderful thing. And thank you for going there. This is the wonderful thing about the Coffee at 11 show, dare I say it, is that we invite people to go back and tell us the real story because here's the problem, right, uh, uh, as, I, as I see it. 
The problem is we all present as we are today, all of us. We rock into any meeting online or offline anywhere and we look in and we walk in like we've got our shit together, let's be honest, right? All of us, we put on our best foot forward and we, we rock up and that's what people see and they make a judgment call of that. So nobody Absolutely. meeting Mugo today, right? Uh, and seeing you in this, in this strong woman persona that you are and rightly so, would ever guess that you were at death's door in 2016. So I knew there was something when you, when you said it wasn't in my 40s, in my late 30s, it was 39, you knew something. Yeah. Um, what happened? Was that swine flu brought you to death, death's door? Yeah, so swine flu was kind of like COVID. Um, so it, what happened was my lungs shut down, my heart started shutting down, all my vital organs started shutting down. I remember them putting me in, on the vent like oh, Jesus Christ like you think that you can control everything they had me on this CPAP machine which is like sticking your head out a window going at 60 miles an hour and I was just there because I was like I need to go back to work and I need to get home to the kids and blah 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 and they were like whoa will you just I remember like I had no clue that I was dying I mean everything they tried to do I was like I don't need that they were like no you do you know so they called Garrett at something like 2am in the morning and they'd moved me to ICU and they brought Garrett in. I couldn't talk at this stage. So I, I motioned for the phone and I got the phone off him. And they said, look, Nicola, we're going to have to ventilate you. You're, you won't survive otherwise. And I typed into the phone. Three days. Wake me up after three days. And don't leave my side. And he was like, uh, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> like when I think about it, I just thought I was still in control, you know? So I'll never forget them actually ventilating me. They ventilated me really early in the morning and there was about 14 medical personnel around me and they were all trying to creep in so as not to scare me. But I remember my knees, I used to think it was a cartoon thing, but my knees were literally knocking together. I thought, oh, feck this now, you know, Beckett. So... That was it. I, I woke up three weeks later in CUH. I was in the ICU in CUH. Um, I'm told it was, and I have to tell this story because like levity is so important. Um, it took them, the day that they, they put me under, um, all my family came down and they said goodbye. And Garrett thankfully knew somebody as a doctor in CUH. And he rang him and said, listen, this is the story and that guy said look let me make some calls and he got a microbiologist and the microbiologist said if you can get her to see you h i will do my best for her right but it took them nearly a full day to get me to see you h because every time they tried to move me onto the portable machines i'd crash so um it took the it took them all day anyway so this is very obviously very stressful and very tense for my family and Eventually, they managed to get me on the mobile machines that night and they started wheeling me down the hall to bring me out and everybody was kind of standing. I don't know. I wasn't there, but this is the story I'm told. Um, everyone was kind of standing to one side going, oh, Jesus Christ, hopefully she makes it, you know. And as they're wheeling me down the hall and everyone's hoping I don't crash, the ambulance man's phone goes off and it plays the team tune to the good, the bad and the ugly. You know that song? Do, 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 do you know? And... My brother had to run out of the hall and his wife, because they were like, she would fucking love that, you know? Like, I'm just going down the hall, like, in bits, you know? But, like, they're playing my theme song, you know? So, <laughs> so I just thought that was hilarious. Ah, that, that is absolutely wonderful. That is wonderful. I didn't know what was going to come, but that, that couldn't have been better. Oh, I and love it. I have, to, I have to bring Gareth in. Gareth, come back in for a minute, please. So the, the, first, the first thing, right, is you didn't wake her up after three days. Were you killed for that one? Right? That's, she, she told you wake me up after three days. You left her there oh, for yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Well, so. I was so serious about it. Like, on the day of the thing, know, she was sending emails. Yeah. From, I had to ring work and get them to disconnect her email in the office. So she put, just there was no realisation of how ill she was. Like, but that's the fighter that Nicola is. Like, she didn't drive on until the very end. Come here. It, 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 it's obvious there, Gareth, very strong woman. H how was it for you? I suppose it was terrifying. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I've been in plenty of situations and I navigated in rally cars and all this mad stuff, but nothing came close to a consultant walking out. To use. I got the, you know, uh, three days wake me up kind of thing. And I said, all right, okay, yeah, okay, right. And then the consultant coming out, uh, how far away are the family? And I said, they're up and meet. You want to contact us right away? Like, uh, only for Nicholas's sister walked in the door to me 
I don't know, she must have got a feeling or something that something was wrong. I was about to pull the head off the consultant because I was like, what did you do to her? What did you do? So I was only talking to her two seconds ago, you know? So then Nicola's father, uh, I rang Nicola's mother and actually couldn't speak to her. The minute I heard her voice, I'm gone. So that probably frightened the life out of her more, you know? So we just, we all got together and the whole family came together and Nicholas' parents and sisters and everyone were just incredible. Some of our friends as well, we brilliant friends. My parents came down and minded our kids. You were just, look, Jesus Christ, if you, if you talk about family support, this is the blueprint for it. Do you know what I mean? Because they were just amazing. But was it? I was terrified. And it was three weeks of terror. And then when she woke up, it was terrifying as well, like, for a while. <laughs> oh right, right. We park, park that one. That's good. That's, that's, we, we can back that in season five. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. yeah, there's a book in this one. Thank you for that. You see, the reason I want to, and th thank you for coming in because um, Nicola, by her own admission, wasn't there. She was under. Right? So there are two perspectives here. So, Gareth, thanks for that. And we're so delighted for both of you that uh, you made it through. Oh, yeah. um, thank, thank you. Thank you. Nicola, we're back to you, right? Mm -hmm. So, three weeks later, was there murder that he didn't wake you up after three days? Was there murder? Were there words? Well, I just, all I remember, because every time they brought, apparently every time the children came in or one of them came in. So, I must say, First of all, our friends and family were just fantastic. Um, and I, I need to give a special mention to my father because I wouldn't be the fighter I am without him. So when Gareth rang him, he had a little red Fiat Panda at the time. That's a one litre vehicle. It was his little runaround. And he drove it so fast the whole way from me that it was lit up like a Christmas tree. Every light went off in the car, you know. I'd say he hit the road in places. And Gareth said he burst into the hospital and he was like, where is she? You know, because he's a dub. And he was like, what did you do for her? You know, like so. And and then he was just, everyone was trying to work out what hotel will we stay in and everything. And he was like, I'm staying in a hotel. I'm staying right here until she wakes up, you know. So I remember when I woke up, I was in CUH. And so every time people came in to me, apparently I would get kind of distressed. So they had to really, really put me under. And when they decided, I owe my life actually to a really beautiful nurse in ICU. Her name was Marie. And the consultant kept saying, I don't think we're going to be able to wake this woman up. And she kept saying, Gareth had told her about her kids at home and that I, you know, how much, of course, like every mother, I love my kids. And she kept turning down the breathing machine to make me work a little bit harder. So eventually, Mother's Day in 2016, they said, look, we're going to start taking her out of sedation tomorrow and see how she does, you know. And they said, now it's going to take a couple of days. It could even take a couple of weeks. And dad was like, right, listen. Forget about that. This one never even slept in the car when she was a kid, right? So when you start turning down that sedation, you better be ready, right? So I remember waking up and I had terrible ICU delirium, but I really, really knew. I knew I was in Cork. I felt like I'd run an ultra marathon and I woke up like this. I was like this, yeah, yeah, you know, and they're all like, whoa, whoa. And, uh, dad and and gareth came in and i grabbed the two of them and i was like ah, oh, me boys you know and they, now it wasn't that coherent let me tell you you know and all the tubes were pulled out and the nurses were like oh come on settle down settle down and i actually even punched one of the nurses i was like get away you know and i was i was like come on lads let's go and um they gave me the phone to talk to my kids you know and i said to my daughter fia it's going to be out here in a couple of days. Do you want to go and do a bit of shopping and we'll get a bit of lunch, you know? And they were all like, oh, Jesus Christ, she's off her head, you know? So we had a fun couple of days. We had a very fun couple of days. I drove the nurses nuts. I was just like, um, when can I go home? And they were like, you can't even walk. And, you know, we're not, like, nothing would do me until I drank some orange juice they were kept trying to say, you can't drink oranges. They kept trying to wet my lips. Your toast doesn't work. You've lost your swallow. I was like, just get me a bottle of orange juice. I remember drinking the orange juice and the lad said I was hilarious because I was just really concentrating. I drank the orange juice and I'm going to curse, right? And I was, I said, I drank the shit out of that orange juice. You know, I was just like that when I woke up. I was just nuts trying to set my eldest up with one of the nurses. I thought I was at a Coldplay concert. It was just nuts, you know, nuts. But after three days of just harassing and haranguing the ICU, 
staff, they're like, move her up to the respiratory ward, please. So they moved me up to the respiratory ward and they came in and they said, you know, you're going to be here for a couple of months and you need to learn how to walk again. And, you, you know, all of these different things. And I was saying, um, yeah, no, that's not going to suit me. Thanks. You know, but even I remember when I woke up, I was like, how long was I asleep? And Kara's like three weeks. And I was like, get me a newspaper. You know, I didn't believe them, you know. So they moved me to the respiratory ward. And from waking up to going home was nine days. I was not staying there. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. My yeah. goodness, Nicola Lawless. Your dad was right. Yeah. I was like, laughing. You said, you said, this one never slept in the car. Yeah. Uh, and and you just pro- you've proven that. You've proven that. So, so from death's door back in three weeks and nine days, go you. Yeah, I mean, it was a long, 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 hard struggle. I had to take a year off work. But every day I felt if I did something a little bit more and I I knew that my spirit would die a bit if I stayed in hospital as well. But more importantly than all of that, we had a kid at home with special needs that didn't know what was going on. I had three really traumatized children. My eldest lived in Cork at the time. I had two really traumatized children. I had absolutely like you know blown apart these people's world and I just wanted to put it back together for them and we had no support with Ben other than family and that kind of was the start of the real advocacy for me because we went to meet with the HSC and we said look we really need a bit of respite we need a bit of of help here and they said it's not an emergency and I said well what would be considered an emergency and very sheepishly admittedly but they were like well if you died and I said are you telling me I'd have to die to get support? And they were like, yeah, that's how bad things are, you know? I thought, no, I'm not having this. So, and kind of, it gave me also a sense of, I was very aware that a lot of young people with disabilities, if something happened to their primary carers, they might be put into an old person's nursing home, which is totally unsuitable. And obviously my brush with my health or death was was very was very prevalent in my head what would happen to this wonderful person if there was some act of god and myself and gareth were gone in the morning so that was sort of the start of the real advocacy i remember getting in touch with the national advocacy service and oh we can't do anything till we come and meet ben and they came and they met ben and um i said well he's non-verbal and they said well we still have to meet him and they met him and nine months later i got a text going hi nicola i'm sorry i was very busy do you still need advocacy for ben and i was like no no that was nine months ago i'm advocating for myself now you know, so it was just and I'm not I'm not singling out any one service or any one person in the service because it's actually the system. The system is wrong and they're only working in the system. So that was the start of it for me. You know, so you yeah. this the longest answer you've ever got to a question column. Does Ben live with us? Not since last September. I'm glad you reminded me of the question. <laughs> Um, uh, but it, but, but it, it, it didn't matter. I didn't need to be reminded because uh, the story is what we, we wanted to hear. And uh, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I, I suppose I, I don't quite know where to go with it. Uh, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm in awe because you and I have met in the last number of months and we're doing some wonderful work together uh, in Wigwap. And it's yes. a great pleasure. Which is so uh, joyous. Yeah, it is. It is. But, but, it, but it's joyous because of the people, right? And... Uh, uh, but but just here here's the thing. I'm I'm sitting here jaw dropping uh, with this story because you know meet you in the street or meet you on Zoom as we've done and we wouldn't know this. We wouldn't know uh, the the hurdles you've had to overcome to become the person we see sitting here today. Um, so huge props to you. I, I wrote down Marie's name, Marie in ICU. Uh, yeah. there, there's a woman that deserves. There, there's a woman who's caught in the same system you referred to. But yeah. is living is working on her own terms, right? And is making decisions for the right reason for the uh, what she believes to be the best for the person that she sees in front of her. I think the problem with mm-hmm. the system that we're talking about is uh, they look at statistics and numbers, yeah. and you know, uh, and, and come here, it, it, it's difficult too. So we won't go there, right? Um, how, how's things today for you all? You're you're involved in a handful of businesses and and of course the advocacy work. So so what's a typical daylight you and i were on a zoom the other morning at 6 45 and you happened to just throw into the mix that you'd be finishing at 9 30 that night 
Tell us about that day. Well, I, uh, my son said it, my eldest said to me the other day, Mom, you're a little bit like a shark. If you stop moving, you're going to die, you know. <laughs> but but I, I just am passionately curious. And if I don't know how to do something, I learn. And that has, and as I said, I came up the hard way. So much to my poor mother's um, annoyance and dismay, I didn't finish college. So, like, I mean, I can't ever just do something without going like extra. And um, when I was pregnant with my youngest child, I was doing two college courses in Minute at the time, two, like because I didn't have enough to do. And I've just continued to do that. I'm continuously, I, I said to somebody the other day, I'm a jack of no trade. Like I'm actually overqualified for any job I would go for because I have so many different things that I'm interested in or did things in master certificates and this. The, the new thing is finance. Um, because I was just, uh, every time you get a really good person, a good accountant in business, somebody poaches them. And I've been really good at spotting good ones. So they never last longer than two or three years and they get poached. So last year I thought, oh, feck this. So now I'm doing finance. So, um, and the next thing on the list is law. And then I was thinking about being a pilot. So, you know. <laughs> sure isn't far and forward just out the road there. <laughs> I'm thinking. That's what I was thinking, yeah. But that's but that's kind of what I'm that's a bit what I'm like. And I do feel sorry for Gareth. There's this um when when we were getting married, so my parents were in Finglas, obviously when I was born, and when we were getting married, Gareth was from Calvin County Mead, but his father lived in his parents lived in Finglas for two years. So Gareth was born in Finglas. So when we went to get our our um what do you call them, baptism search, um Gareth said, try just run down to the parish office. But when we were actually at the church, we had been baptised in the same church in Finglas. And there's exactly nine months between us with me being the older. So there was this big joke going around the family that I was born and they were like, Jesus, we better send someone down to look after her, you know. So then he came along nine months later. So um, it's a, a typical day could comprise of anything and everything, Colm. Um, I just... I just like to do things and I like to create things. And but more, most important to me would be my kids and my family and my friends. Um, so I'm trying to work towards a life that works for me instead of me working for it, you know, so that I have that time for friends and family. Yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. When you said, I feel sorry for Gareth, I was tempted to say we all do, but we don't, we don't know uh, at all. Uh, no, Gareth, Gareth, very blessed, uh, genuinely very blessed to have somebody like you in his life, dare I say it, and he's given us the thumbs up there for sure. And, and I, and, and I him, and I him. But but we, we heard that, you, you know, you can't bring somebody like Gareth into this conversation as we did earlier, and Gareth, thank you for doing that, because uh, it was completely un, unexpected. Uh, but we heard the passion coming out in in uh, in his voice. You are his life, and he is your life, and the yes. kids, the family is your life. So, look, it's been it's been a, a, a joyous conversation with you. And as I say, we can noogle the business. That's my new term now. We can noogle the business, and yeah. um, and we will. So we don't even need to go there if you don't mind, because I, I want to get to the Princess Shelley part of the show. Apparently, many people's favorite part of the show. I, I, I reserve judgment and comment till afterwards, uh, but uh, now we're going to go there in a minute. But before we do, I've got two quick questions, if you don't mind, Nicola, please. Yes. Um, first question is, Nicola Lawless, what did you find in COVID that you're not letting go of? What are you taking with you from COVID? Um, I think that, again, going back to Eamon's opening, everything we have we need everything we have we need i spent covid actually downsizing because i was actually embarrassed by the abundance of things i had that i just didn't need you know i did not need them everything it, 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 it made us stop and pause and it allowed that power to emerge and just to to step into yourself and step into your power and we don't need all those trappings and like some of my some of my dearest friends i've never actually met in person now because that pause allowed me to be true to myself and be able to make those connections on a much deeper level. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I'm taking from COVID is that my hairdresser is now more important to me than some of my family. So, so just some, just some of my family. But no, I'm only joking. But yeah, like just, just that 
we are so we connection is so important and that was what that kind of life-threatening illness taught me and I never actually felt like I belonged until that happened because I could feel this warmth and this surge of love and positivity for me and that's something that I spent the last five years trying to build on you know so COVID was great because sometimes we get caught in the rat race and the hamster wheel and it actually made me stop again and I thought, Jesus Christ, like if you didn't listen five years ago, listen now, you know. Fantastic, fantastic. Yes, indeed, DQ with the Bula Bus. And the second question before we go to Princess Shelley is um, you meet a friend, you come across somebody older than you, uh, and you realise by listening to them that they are in fact struggling at the end of the t- their tether in terms of everything that's gone on over the last 15, 16 months. What's your advice to them? I don't think I would have any real advice for them because I would feel like I, you know, I wouldn't diminish their experience. I would just try to be there for them. And if there were things that I could do that they were struggling with, because we all struggle from time to time. There's small tasks that seem insurmountable to all of us. I know I get that from time to time and overwhelm, being overwhelmed. So I try and help in, in, in where best I can. I'm more an action person. So I would try and help in any little way that I could. And I would listen, you know, I would listen because at the end of the day, like, I don't think, I don't, I'm not getting it all right. And I'm certainly not getting it right all the time. So I would just try and be there more so than anything else. You know, I felt, I think that's really important because I would not be where I am now without people who have been there for me. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. And the Bula bus started there with Princess Shelley, which is a beautiful segue Nicola Lawless, thank you for being here. And stay where you are. We're going to go over and hear what's going on the cafe. Much, Princess Shelley. Hey, Nicola. Um, wow. Some story, you know. I you. Met, you, met you in inverted commas first about two months ago. And I just thought I was meeting this amazing businesswoman. And I know, and this is why the Coffee 11 show is the stunning thing it's become because... I've just been, I've been speaking to this woman. I had no idea the story behind. And, oh, I was shedding tears when you said, I'm very, I'm actually going to go if I'm not careful. And you said your dad drove this panda down and it was all lit up. And he came in, he was like, where is she? And what have you done to her? Oh my God, the tears. It was like snot bubbles and everything while I was listening to you. It was just, you blew me away. You were absolutely amazing. But I need to keep on and try and pull myself together to share some of these wonderful comments with you. But you're just amazing. And you know what? You. Testament, testament to the guests we have. The first, one of the first comments was from our guest, Nicola Lawless, you know, um, not, not hectic enough, ready to share, but welcoming Janie Lazar into um, the cafe, one of your favourite humans, I understand. So um, that was one of our first ones. It was lovely to have you here, Janie. I think she's popped off. Um, and then we had, it was just people saying hello and delighted to have everybody here. First of all, we had Jer was asking, great to have you here, Jer White. I understand we're looking forward to a conversation with you soon. Jer was asking for the link to the Facebook group for the Coffee at 11 show and the YouTube playlist to listen to the back catalogue that's there of all these wonderful conversations of people worth meeting. And then the team that brings the Coffee at 11 show was messaging her back and telling her where she can find out everything. So um, I hope you can find all those now. There's great conversations. I look forward to the this one will be going out on Sunday week. So um, we had that. So that was lovely. Then Katrina, who is the editor-in-chief, she's the boss lady behind the scenes. She loved your nickname, Nicola. She said, um, I love the nickname. She gets called Google at work. And she'd be telling them she's to change it to Google. And then DKO said, it's so true. Noogle is a legend. So, uh, and I'm going to, I understand D has a question <sighs> for you, which I'm going to come to in just a few minutes. Um, D, so stand by. I'll bring you in there. Then you were explaining about the move, Nicola. Um, um, when you moved, you, you were born to two dubs, you said at the start at the top of the show. And David Brown, it's lovely to have you here, David, in the cafe today. You can give Nicola a wave there. Um, David Brown says he's a Dublin, he's a dub in exile in Meath as well. And then Eamon was saying that his family hails from Meath and he's delighted to be able to share his time these days between Meath and Kerry, his two spiritual power fields. So, um, so yeah, so that was all, they were all resonating with that, Nicola, you know, that move that you've made. And then Jer said, oh, 
oh my god Nicola and we were all gasping when you were talking about this Italian and bringing him back to Ireland and then him going back and the intuition that you had you know you really we really began to kind of get sucked into your the vortex of your story when you were started there now about the intuition and listening to your inner voice and um, Jerry White said that was a rough one the Italian going home and DKO said amen to that why do we not know that and that was when you said about it was the first time you really listened to the you know your dad was saying you could make a go of this now and you were like do you know what uh, you know no is the answer and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna settle for this so why do we not why do we not um, listen to that more and Sarah Ward said wow you're so strong so um so yeah so that was lovely and Janie then commented and said it's taken me years longer life runs in stages more than ages because you said you only really started living at 39 and that's before we got to understand why and what had happened you know so then we got to meet the lovely gareth or grizzly over he's we've referred to him a few times and dqo said it sounds like the universe had you both marked out to meet and you know we've done some laughing in the show over the episodes nicola but when you had when you took him off there the driving and the ultra boy well we were all in the knots laughing it was just and i just that's when the, some of the comments came in there um it sounds like that you the universe had you both marked out to meet so um so yeah that was lovely too i'm wiping away tears here nicola you're, you're unbelievable so then you mentioned about the job that somebody had said to you and kerry that there's a job that would suit you and you said and james finnegan it's lovely to have you here james um again coming from the kingdom of kerry james said she, that he he quoted what you had said nicola about she saw the potential in me that i couldn't see in myself and he as he said it's been a it's been a recurring theme in the coffee at 11 that to, you know somebody saw something in you you couldn't see and you know don't we all want we all have had or are looking for the person who's got more faith in us so and Katrina said exactly what I thought James and Dee said that's the magic of mentoring when someone sees in you the things that you wouldn't believe on your own so everybody kind of chipping in with something there so then Jer was laughing at um, Jer White was laughing at your youngest who was saying that she was 14 going on 44 she got a bit of a kick from that and you had said about you had on you had um, kind of not under, underestimated, if you like, the impact of that move on the kids. And Dee said she did similar moving from Dublin to Kerry when her son was just 13 and didn't realise the impact that it would have on that. So, um, and then we moved on then. I mean, I've got, I'm skipping for you and I'm so sorry. But then we moved on then, Nicola, and we were talking about that's when the, the story really went quite serious and you got sick and you were saying how you were cooking the dinner. And I got a pain in my tummy listening to how you hadn't the strength to eat it. And I was like, oh my goodness, where this is going. James said, never underestimate the determination of a loving parent because, you know, you were really clearly quite ill there. And Eamon said, very well said, James. And Dee said, true for you, James. Parents travel the depths to find supports for their kids. Um, so, so yeah, really, really amazing stuff. And then we got to the good, the bad and the ugly. And again, you had the cafe just rolling around the floor with the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, Nicola. So I'm going to scroll down a tiny bit more. Then it was the unsung hero of the ICU, this Maria lady. And again, you had me a bit there, Nicola, when you said that she was turning down the machine to help you. Like, that is just, we were all there and I could feel, I, I was out in a sweat and I could see us all. I mean, yeah, I, I get, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about her, yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. So um, Jer was saying amazing resilience and DQ was like, look out world, here she comes. And you said the two guys there, how's me boys, you said. And I imagined Gareth under one arm and pop a scarf on the other. And it's like, you know, and I was like, oh, here we go now. Um, Dona said spectacular crash and burn uh, that you really started living at 39. Um, you've always such lovely comments, Dona. It's so lovely to have you in the cafe. He, and he quoted you and you said, get me a newspaper. Can't have been asleep for three weeks. Such great descriptions coming from you, Nick. And the personal revelations on this show are jaw-dropping a testament to the trust and support and sense of community that's engendered here so uh, so thank you for that comment all really a pleasure to share it and pleasure to have you here and then you we went back to Colm Nicola and he was like I don't know what to say I don't know where to go and I, I, so Tim then said what, what many of us thought Colm speechless we've never seen that before um so so yeah so just unbelievable I'll come to you now Dee in a second um Alison Whitty said Nicola you're brilliant I totally can identify with your advocacy journey you're a force of nature and the world is a better place with you in it isn't that a lovely comment 
Nicola, isn't it? That's wonderful. And, you know, I'm so glad, like there was times and and that's one message I would give to people who are in, are, are in similar situations to ours. Like when we go to, we, we can't see Ben much at the moment with lockdown. So we Skype and then every week I just have to drop something over, you know, so I can kind of see him. But um, we, he can't come home and we can't visit. But when we go over, he's so delighted to see us. He's just so delighted to see us. But after five minutes, he's pushing you towards the car because he's like, I am happy here. That is his life. And he is in just such a wonderful, he, he, um, the, the company that provides the space for him is called Resilience. So he shares a house with three other people and they are his, that's his gang. They're his housemates. That's his life. And I mean, like he has a better life than, like he has a foot spa. He skypes me with his feet in a foot spa, you know, and he gets massages and he goes for lunch. And I'm like, you little, sh-. like there's no line on his hand, you know, but he is just so, so, so happy. And they're just doing such a wonderful job with him. And I know if something terrible happened to me and Gareth tomorrow morning, he's set, he, you know, he's, he has a life now and a very fulfilled life. So um, that's what I would like to say to people who might be in a similar situation. Like there is hope, there is hope, you know. And, uh, so proud of him and the happy. I mean, it's not all any of us want for our children. You know yeah. what I mean? And you've you've like Dee said, she's living at she's leaving out how she lobbied ministers and the media and the radio and the dial getting this proper care and support for a bit. So I suppose that's it because maybe time, you know, but we have no idea, you know, Dee is just standing to you to say the great work that you that 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 the depth that you went to to get that for him, Nicola, you know. Um Celia said that Munster Technology University is offering pilot courses because you were talking. I know. Yeah, I know. I, I said it to the, the Wigwam group last week, uh, finance, finance, finance and business and pilot right up my street. <laughs> love it. Love it. Alison reckons you and Gareth are a wonderful couple, as so many of us do, you know, and I saw Gareth sat back when Cullum invited, and I love the way Cullum does this, you know, he invites in somebody who's related to them, you know, to get their take on it. And at one stage there, Nicola, Gareth sat back and we were he was asking Gareth to recount the terror you know, while you were out of it. And I saw, and I've become attuned to watching people's faces now since Zoom, you know, and Gareth's mouth changed. And I thought when he recounted the terror of, and I thought to myself, wow, he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go. Because the emotion, I could see it, Gareth, I could see it was etched across his face because for a moment he went back to that moment where he was going to lose the best thing in his life so uh, so thank you and sorry sorry not sorry but thank you for going there and sharing that with us um but yeah and Dee says anyone who has nicola in their life is truly blessed so eamon's popped up the links there nicola for yes. Dean travel and for nicola lawless and linkedin and deanne travel dan and travel and all that so all the links are there so do go to them um alison agrees with you about the hairdresser alison that about <laughs> Tom Dillon says, Nicola, you are an absolute hero. The love between you and Gareth is inspiring and your love that you share for your children. I'm just in awe listening to you. What a powerful and inspiring story. And thank you, Tom, for that comment. Really, really good. Really good. Eamon says 100% um, it it changes us and we have so much already to be grateful for because you said how, you know, Eamon loved that you said that in lockdown you decided, you know what, I have too much. I need less. Yitka has loved your sense of humour today. And Tim Kelly says the chat has been a real tonic. tonic. Um, so, so yeah, and everyone, Sabina, Sabina says you're so inspiring. So just before I hand back to Cullum, I'm going to invite Dean. You have a question for Nicola, D. Um, so do bring a question there. And if you have anything you'd like to say to Nicola following the chat today, you're great friends, I understand, D. I didn't know I had a question for oh, really? for, for Nicola, but that's that's good. Sure, always on the on, <laughs> on the fly here. But I do also want to say, if it's okay, that um, as much as Ben is super, uh, um, Nicola's um, son and and Garrett's son, there's three wonderful super advocates as well, like Luca and Fia and Shay. Yeah, they're like ministers for hello how are you and welcome and I just a very quick sorry I was in a I was in a a really bad bind a couple of years ago and I got caught up a mountain 
I won't go into the story. My car got locked out. I had no key. I had no nothing. And I ended up on their door because um, I knew if I got to Castle Island, I'm talking about I was caught in a place called Gwenaguilla or something. I can't even pronounce it. It's up in the mountains. And I got back down and I knocked on the door and Shay brought me in. That's her son. And he wasn't even 14 then. You want to see the welcome. It's like, it, it's like, it, and that's the way you get, but there's no, there's no key on the door. You just walk in. They just say, come in. And I got walked in. I got, you know, slippers that you get from a, a hotel, like posh slippers was put on me because I was drowned. And I got new clothes. Fia then looked after me. Luca was there making me coffee. I remember I got, I didn't even eat ham. I didn't even tell them. I got toasted ham and cheese sandwiches just lashed on me on the table. To this day, I will never forget it. And that's the kind of heart hospitality that they hold. And, and it's, it's in every one of them. So I just wanted to, um, and uh, just to say, like, they all have it. They all have it. It's, 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 it's in them. It's in the DNA. Listen, love you. And it's just been a, it's just been a privilege to, to watch. So um, the only question I was going to ask you, Nicola, was what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to go to Mars. <laughs> there you are. I want to go to Mars. I, yeah, I want to go to Mars. <laughs> I keep thinking, just stay alive long enough, stay alive long enough until, and then by the time, like, anyway, yeah, I want to go to Mars. There you go. There's an answer and a half we weren't expecting. <laughs> very much. I'm sorry if I threw you under the train. What? Did I look like I was under the train, lads? I'm in and, the and element. I, and thank you, Dee. Thank you, Dee, because when I was talking about Ben the last time, I thought, oh, my God, I haven't mentioned three others. But I'm always, I'm always walking this fine line between, like, don't be talking about us and, and, and then trying to tell people how proud I am of them. They're beautiful humans. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Oh, wow. That was gorgeous. Wiping the tears away. Listen, I'm in absolute awe listening to you, right? You are an absolute hero. Oh, I'm, and I mean that now. It's not too often because I'm actually fighting back the tears myself listening to the, the two of you talk there the whole, all morning. Like, it's been absolutely a, an honour and inspiration listening to the two of you because... Um, I kind of knew, I, I think I met you, you know, just in, in the background. You were at the Pormio Community Conference that Dee organised oh, yeah. back maybe two or three years ago. I remember, and I met, and your son, Luca, was in Castle Island. The first day I stumbled into Dee's into um, workshop about uh, unlocking your potential, I was at okay, a conference yeah. at that time. And uh, I remember yeah. looking at Luke that day, and he was looking at me, and, and for some strange reason, the two of us kind of said, I know him, and he said the same about me, and we couldn't figure it out. You know, it was a very unusual uh, um Thing to happen but it's look it's an absolute honor listening to the two the two of you talk like and i could definitely feel the, the strength of the of love between the two of you like you know it was actually like it does bring tear to my eye like you know so and um, you're a poor couple that's for sure and hmm. inspirations uh um if you were if you were one of our td we should have you as our td for kerry i'm telling yeah. you yeah you'd kick ass so you would <laughs> I'd laugh I'd laugh two weeks before I'd upset someone, you know. <laughs> two minutes, Nicola, not two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well I was just being nice to myself there, Dee. <laughs> <laughs> well, sport number one nickel anyway that's what i said <laughs> thank you thank you very much tom it's lovely to see you here this morning as well thank you thank you Dee. thank you gareth thank you nicola and uh, thank you everybody for all your comments it's so 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 pleasurable and honorable to be able to share them with the cafe and uh, without you putting them in i wouldn't get to share them so um it's back over to you colin thank you very much oh shelly 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 thank you um i always it's a it's this running joke it's a bit like uh, colin your host for today it's a bit like you know and then shelly comes out with and um, everybody's favorite part of the show but it actually is and i i you know i i can go with the flow and pretend it's not but in fact it's also my favorite part of the show because when you and i were having the conversation nicola um, uh, you know, I knew this rich conversation was going on in the background because it really is like a regular cafe and it's sort of people nudging each other. Did you hear what she said there? Did you hear what she said there? Right? There's all this type of stuff going on. So it really is. And beautiful comments, folks. Thank you one and all uh, for being here and for participating and making the Coffee Eleven show the special place that it has become. Uh, Donald, thank you for that lovely comment that you said earlier. You know, we've been doing this, this is, I think, 107 or 108. 108, I think. And uh, uh, but it's wonderful. So we just have this joyful opportunity every Friday to come in, and it doesn't matter what we all went through this morning, and it sort of doesn't matter what we all go through this afternoon. We're all richer for having taken an hour and a bit out uh, our lives. And Nicola, every time I sit in this chair and have the pleasure of talking to somebody, I, I've no idea uh, where it might go, because as I said to you, we all present 
right? And you rock up like you're got your shit together and you know, and you have, right? But you you present like that. And the part of the problem, as I said earlier, is if people don't show their vulnerability, well then other people feel, well, I could never be as good as her. Right. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. now you said, well, I was actually at death, death's door and I, you know, and I've got all this other stuff that I've got to contend with in my life. And in a funny sort of way, that's a challenge and not in a loving way to other people, which is basically, so what's your excuse? You know, and, it's, and it's never, it's never uh, said it doesn't need to be, but that's why people need to hear other people's story. So I'm looking forward to the book. Noogle, it's probably in the title. <laughs> I'm probably sued for copyright. Yeah, Noogle the pilot. Noogle the pilot to Mars. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, come here. I I saw, uh, I can't remember who put the comment in about you can get flying lessons here. And Gareth is going, no, no. All right. Come here, look, it's been, it's been really a pleasure having you here in, in the cafe today, in the Coffee Level Show. And Gareth, thank you for going with the flow. Uh, and we did throw you under the bus and uh, uh, you responded beautifully. Um, folks, I want to say that this couldn't happen without the audience. Thank you for being here and coming back every week. It's just such a joy. Uh, but the team, my goodness, in fairness, you saw them all, right? And uh, uh, it's, of course, it's Princess Shelley. Big heart emoji there uh, for producing today's show. Eamon Smith, hashtag Kerry Guru for keeping us safe and sound and uh, giving us something to consider. Tim Kelly for, where are you, Tim? There you go. Uh, Tim Kelly for always been first here uh, every every Friday and keeping us safe and sound and on track. And of course, Katrina O'Brien for topping and tailing this and making it beautiful. And she's got this lovely way of editing now and uh, not that she didn't have, but you know, it, it, it's evolving into uh, hashtag cat style. And it's just wonderful. And it goes out to an audience approaching 18 million now every week. So uh, that's really exciting. And you see, we're not in charge of who this is going to reach. All we, we, we're in charge of stepping up and saying, we can do this, let's have, let's have a chat. And then we just put it out there. And the people who need to hear this somewhere, anywhere, anytime, this could be 20 years from now, somebody's gonna stumble across this and uh, it'll make a difference. So, so thank you one and all, but in particular, and the last word goes to our special guest in particular, Nicola Lawless. I just would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you very much for having me on. And I just wanted to say thank you to all of my friends and family, future friends and present friends and future family and present family, um, because they're the reason why I'm here and they're the reason why I live the way I do. So thank you one and all.